Hello and welcome to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. I'm John Stillman, alongside Joel Johnson, certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. He's been published in Forbes and the Wall Street Journal. You see him as the host of Better Money every weekend on Saturday and Sunday morning with Kara Sundland. He's been an analyst on Fox Business and the author of six of his own books. Joel, it's always a pleasure. What's happening? How are you? I'm doing great, and I am excited, John. Uh, My wife and I have been adjusting to the empty nest syndrome, and it's uh, it's Finally got rid of the last one, huh? We did. The, The house is more relaxed. Um, the only thing we have to worry about are the dogs as far as other uh, living creatures inside the house. No longer um, do we have to wonder if somebody's going to be doing their laundry at 3 a.m. because that's the, the, the clock cycle that they're on or, or having breakfast at 1130. Um, although I was fortunate this last summer, both of my boys that are still around the house, uh, my UConn student and my, uh, my senior in high school, uh, that just started college. Um, they they both had jobs during the during the summertime, so that was good. But uh, you know, on the weekends they're on a different schedule than normal human beings. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so Wendy and I are now empty nesters, and it's it's kind of fun. We're looking we're we're talking about trips that we're planning and and uh, taking drives, and it's just it's really different. In some ways, it's a little sad. You know, my life uh, being a father of four boys. Uh, kind of revolved around a lot of sporting events and manly things to do and, and things like that. And um, But I'm looking forward to um, to getting back to Wendy and I spending a lot of time together. And um, should be a neat uh, – it's interesting. I talk to my clients and, and I ask them, you know, was it, was, it, was it different when the kids moved out? And they all said, well, it was a little strange at first, you know, a little sad sort of. Um, but we're having more fun than we've had in a long time. So I don't know what that says about becoming an empty nester. But – that's what's going on with me these days, John. Does it smell different around the house? I would think when you get rid of <laughs> yeah. four boys, it smells less like a locker well, room. Well, my my uh, my third son Joel plays hockey, and uh, he still probably is going to play since he's a UConn student. He's only seven miles away from home. He's probably going to play in this men's league every Sunday night. So uh, on Sunday at about five o'clock, when he grabs that hockey bag, if if any of you parents out there know what. Uh, what hockey gear smells like it's uh it's pretty interesting but other than that other than that um things are a little more orderly and and uh and the the aroma around the house is is more pleasant let's put it that way <laughs> well, well i'm glad uh, you're enjoying the life changes there coming up later in the show today we're going to talk about the six steps of financial planning you could probably come up with a hundred steps if you wanted to, but these are the six steps that we're boiling it down to that you really want to focus on in financial planning. Joel, first, I wanted to talk about an article that you'd pointed out where uh, basically we've discovered over the last year or two that there are fewer companies to invest in than there used to be, and that may or may not be a good thing. So, John, the name of the article is The Market is Shrinking. That's the big headline. This is, of course, out of the Wall Street Journal. But it doesn't mean the market's going down. It means exactly what you said. There are fewer companies than there used to be traded on our U.S. exchanges. In fact, the market's about half the size of the peak it was in the 1990s. So, for for example, if we had 1,000 companies listed on the exchanges, just by example, in the 1990s, uh, there's actually half that many companies. In fact, it's 25% less than it was in 76. So even though the market's not going down, we have fewer companies. Now, what that means is that means that certain companies are having a much bigger impact 
on the market indexes. I was just on the phone this last week with a money manager out in New York that, uh, that helps us manage some of our client portfolios. And he was telling me that if you take out about five companies, it was like Apple, Google, Facebook, Microsoft, the market actually over the last year is flat. All of the gains have come from about five companies. So it's just interesting. Things change. Uh, not telling folks to change something one way or the other based on this information, but we do need to be careful because uh, companies have a bigger impact on the market than they used to when there were many more companies traded on the exchanges. It's something we, we keep in mind when we, when we design uh, client portfolios. Maybe for you it's just a factoid that might be kind of interesting, but uh, it is important to keep these things in mind. Okay, Joel, we still be talking about the six steps of financial planning. Let's just kick it off with number one, which is simply establishing and defining the client planner relationship. That does seem like a logical place to start. Well, right. And these are the six steps according to the Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards. So this is actually textbook the way myself as a CFP and our other advisors uh, that are certified financial planners conduct our financial planning activities. This is what the Board of Standards at the College for Financial Planning recommend. These are the six steps. And the first step is establishing and defining client and planner relationships. Like you said, John, uh, before a relationship starts, the client should know what it will look like. This is that sort of full disclosure in the meeting. I sit down with you and uh, you say, well, how does this relationship look? And I'm going to define exactly how the relationship is going to look. Not just how the financial planner gets paid, that's something important that you want to know, but also how often are we going to sit down and review your plan with you? How often can you expect to adjust the plan? How often should you be paying attention to not just your investment statements, but whether you're on track for that plan? How do you as a client measure those things or is it completely up to us, the financial planners? So just getting right right out front, step one, getting right out front and totally transparent with you, the prospective client, of exactly how the relationship is going to look like. This is a key step because it saves disappointment and hard feelings down the line because I'm sure some of you have had experiences where you look back and you go, well, I didn't understand that the relationship was going to work that way. I didn't understand uh, that this product worked a certain way and so on. It's so important to just get that right up front. And the neat thing about that is you as a client can decide right up front if the relationship is, is laid out to you exactly the way it's going to look. You can decide whether it's a good fit or not. Maybe you're looking for somebody that's going to have more meetings every year with you. Or maybe you're looking for somebody that doesn't want to have as many meetings. You just want to kind of set it and just touch base once a year. That's good to get out of the way in an initial meeting so you know exactly what that relationship is going to look like. Certainly good to lay that groundwork ahead of time. And like you said, it really does eliminate a lot of hard feelings down the line where you say, well, you know, I, I feel like I don't hear from my advisor as much as I should. Well, if you clarify what that relationship is going to look like up front, then everyone's expectations are in place. Maybe your advisor only meets with people once a year. And if that's the case, well, it would be good for you to know that in advance. If you're expecting to get a call from them every month, and that's not how they operate. That's something you want to know before you dive headlong into the relationship. Number two, step number two in financial planning is gathering client data and including your goals in that. It seems, Joel, like it's an obvious place to start, but there are an awful lot of people in the business that don't really take your goals into account as much as they should, it seems like. Well, John, it does seem obvious, this gathering client data, including goals, but like you said, it, it doesn't happen a lot of the time, or if it does happen, it happens in a very sterile, very academic 
way where maybe you fill out this questionnaire before you come in to meet with me and you uh, send in your statements or maybe you just transfer the values from your statements over to the questionnaire and, and you come in and I stare at the questionnaire as you're looking at the top of my head and I'm asking you some questions and, and, uh, and that's the client data gathering process. That's great if that's what you want. That's not how we do it. You know, when I go in and I see a doctor for the first time, for instance, I, I hurt my shoulder a little while back. I was working out and I hurt my shoulder and being 56 years old, you know, you got to watch these things. And so I went in to see an orthopedic doctor and, and uh, he was just really friendly. I mean, he had my chart in his hand that had been sent over by my primary care physician, but he didn't really look at the chart in the beginning. He wanted to get to know me. He wanted to get to know who, you know, how I was. I, I mentioned that my son had a shoulder injury when he was playing high school baseball, and he, 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 you know, wanted to know how my son was doing now in college and things like that. That's sort of the type of client data gathering that we do here, and some financial planners do, but but most don't. I like to get to know our clients. So not only do we want to know when we go into this financial planning process, you know, where your money is, what your goals are, and so on, but we really want to know what your concerns are, what bothers you. Have you had bad experiences in the past with, with financial institutions or financial planners? How did you grow up? Did you grow up poor? Did you grow up wealthy? Uh, have you ever had a bankruptcy? Or has life been pretty much financially smooth sailing for you? It's important that we know those things in the beginning of a relationship. A client's individual goals are so important, maybe more important than their individual investments and insurance policies. And a financial planner should gather this data. And again, these are the first steps in building a financial plan. You want to make sure that you feel like the financial advisor understands you and that you feel comfortable with their philosophy and their approach, not just to financial planning, but to life. Because eventually you're partnering with this person to bring you through the 30 or so years of retirement that you're going to have. So that's the first two steps of the financial planning process. Establish what the relationship is going to be like between client and planner, and then gathering all the data that's necessary. As you said, not just the black and white numbers, but also the goals and those intangible things that need to be part of your retirement planning process. We'll talk about the other four steps in just a moment. But uh, Joel, I know that for a lot of people, they're saying right now, you know what? I've never had my advisor really ask me what my goals are. You know, maybe I do need to be planning a little bit differently when it comes to putting the retirement puzzle together. Yeah, you know, John, it's the data side of financial planning versus the human side of financial planning. And I think it's so important that both of those pieces are married. We're not trying to ignore the data, but it's important that you feel like you have a comfortable relationship with your financial advisor. And you know, that's why we like to offer the second opinion here on the program. We, we'd love you to call in. I'll give you that number in a minute, but take us up on that second opinion. Even if you're working with somebody that you think is doing a great job for you, and by the way, if you are, we're not going to take that um, business away from them. We're not trying to hurt somebody else, but we want to help you and make sure you're on the right track. We have a process. It's proprietary. It's actually trademarked. It's called the Money Map Retirement Plan. We take you through that. You get a social security analysis. Uh, you'll get uh, analysis to make sure you're getting the most out of your pension, wringing every nickel out of your pension, and then your investments are set up so that you're not taking too much risk. We put it all together on a one-page plan. Love to do that for you. Uh, give us a call, 
Uh, for the next 10 callers, we'll set up appointments for you over the next couple of weeks to come in, visit with us, and get that Money Map Retirement Plan. You'll be glad you did. There's no obligation. Uh, we want to get to know you. We want you to get to know us. You can decide if you want to take the relationship farther than that. So give us a call, 1-800-705-1232. You can also text that number, by the way. Leave your first and last name if you text, and we'll get back to you, and we'll set up a time to get together. Again, one 800 705 one, two, three, two. It's so easy to put this off, but we've tried to make it as easy as possible for you to just go ahead and reach out and say, yes, I need some help with this. We'll figure out the details later in terms of when we'll get together and what you need to bring. Don't worry a moment about any of that right now. For now, just say, yes, I'd like some help. We'll work out all those details later. 800-705-1232 is the number to call or text. That's 800 705 1232. As Joel said, if you text, just be sure to include your first and last name. We'll get back with you that way. When you come in for your money map retirement review, you'll leave with a copy of one of Joel's books. You pick which one off the shelf you think fits you the best. 800-705-1232 is the number to call. You're listening to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Joel Johnson is the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. He's also a certified financial planner. That's where we've gotten these six steps of financial planning that we're talking about today. You know, you were talking about your boys being gone and you being essentially an empty nester right now. Uh, the thing that a lot of people don't factor in is just how much they spend on their kids going to college. And it's not just the college expenses. That's something that probably uh, needs to get factored into what we were just talking about a little bit earlier, the client data, how much you're spending on your kid's college for all the other intangibles, not just tuition is part of the process. I'm sure you probably encountered that. Oh, sure. You know, it's clothes. It's uh, it's all kinds of things. Now, you know, my boys, like I said earlier, they, they've had their own jobs, so we don't buy them everything. But we want to help out, especially that last couple of weeks, you know, when the baby's about to go to school. You know, I, I took a couple <laughs> trips to Kohl's and, and uh, you know, we purchased a lot of stuff. Mom thinks I'm a softie. You know, they, they want, uh, you know, two pairs of shorts. And she says, oh, only buy one. They only need one. And, you know, I guess maybe I'm a little bit of a pushover. But, you know, there's a lot of those expenses that we don't think of in addition to college. Uh, and uh, But I'm excited. You know, they're, they're going off to school. All my boys have turned out really well. I'm excited. But yeah, you're right, John. It, it changes the finances a little bit having them go to school. And then it's going to change the finances when they get done with school. Um, so a lot of changes are coming up. And, and that's why step three here is analyzing and evaluating the client's current financial situation. That's step three in this six-step process that the Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards publishes for us to follow. And analyzing and evaluating a client's current financial status, you know, this means are you doing well? Are you struggling a little bit financially? Do you have bad investments? And maybe the biggest key here is do your investments align with your goals and your plan? That, of course, presupposes that you've discussed your goals with your financial advisor and you have a plan. Where a lot of people get, get this wrong is they focus a lot on the investments and they don't have a plan. And it's a little bit like building a house. You know, if you're going to build a house, you don't show up and focus on the type of work, you know, what lumber yard you're going to buy the wood from, what tools you're going to use, um, what measuring, you know, how are you going to measure? And now I'm getting into an area I don't know anything about, but, you know, are you going to use this type of measurement or that type of measurement? You start by having an architect design a plan. And then all those other things, which are important, 
they follow the plan. And so analyzing and evaluating the client's current financial status and checking in on their investments, this goes back to, you know, gathering the data. Let's do an analysis for you. Let's make sure you're on the right track based on your goals, based on your individual needs. Not what your financial planner or your stockbroker thinks your goals should be, but based on your actual goals. So analyzing and evaluating your current financial status, that is step number three. Just to review, number one was establishing what the relationship is going to look like with you. Number two is gathering client data and understanding your goals, and then analyzing and evaluating your current financial status and comparing that to your goals. You mentioned, you know, analyzing whether somebody's doing well or are they doing poorly in terms of being on track for where they need to be. Uh, Most people are surprised to find out that they're not where they think they are. Like a lot of people think they're doing poorly and they're actually in pretty good shape or vice versa. They think they've done really well, but there are a lot of potholes they haven't seen. And that's what you have to point out to them. I'm assuming that's what you see too, right? A lot of people aren't where they think they are, whether it's good or bad. Yeah, and, and what we see for the most part with people coming in to see us and, and ask for us for that second opinion is that they're doing better than they think they are. And, and I don't know why, especially when they're working with other advisors, why there's such a disconnect uh, of people feeling like they're not doing well or, you know, I'm not going to be ready for retirement or I'm in retirement and I'm just on autopilot. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing to us sitting down with them. And, and at the end of that meeting, them saying, hey, I feel better than when I came in. I, I think I am on track. And then obviously, you know, what we try to communicate is as long as you follow a few simple rules and keep things in order properly, you're going to be fine. If you make some mistakes, once you're retired or close to retirement, you may not have the time to recover. But most of the people that come in and see us, not everyone, but most of the people that come in and see us leave with a greater sense of confidence because they are in better shape. They've been good savers. I guess it just goes back to they don't have that plan they can rely on that gives them the scorecard to say, hey, I'm doing okay. And that needs to be real clear in the client's mind. Step number four of the financial planning process is developing and presenting recommendations for your clients to assess. Right. And this is the big one. So usually between step three and step four, there's some time involved because at least in our office, you know, we've got a number of certified financial planners that are doing work behind the scenes trying to stress test your existing portfolio, trying to line up different simulations of, you know, what's your probability of success? When should you take Social Security if you haven't started it yet? When should you take a pension? How are you going to protect a spouse if you're married against your death, if your income's going to drop? All of those things go into this analysis. And then we want to develop those recommendations, those alternatives to organize your financial life so you can meet your goals. And as financial planners, it's very important. Not only we take a lot of time developing this plan, but walking you through the adjustments that you can make that, of course, are our recommendations so you can have, number one, increased confidence, but you can know you're going to hit that mark more times than not. The next step of the process for financial planning is implementing recommendations. Now, we have to get number four right, of course, and that has to be clear and understood before everything can get implemented. But obviously, implementation is a crucial piece. Well, and I think the reason this is a step, and and again, this is the College for Financial Planning. This is the Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards. The reason this is a step is because there are a lot of financial planners out there that'll gather your information, they'll analyze your stuff, they'll develop and present recommendations, and then it's up to you 
to implement those recommendations. In fact, some of them are just billing by the hour, and they really take no responsibility to implement those recommendations. They sort of give you the prescription, and you're supposed to fill it yourself. So our belief is that most people, if they just pay an hourly fee to get a plan, will not implement that plan or won't do it to the degree that they should to maximize the effectiveness of that plan. So uh, number five, implement recommendations. Too many planners do not encourage or even persuade the client to move forward. Now, here's where we get into this uh, part also where a good financial advisor is going to persuade you. They are going to be like a coach. They move you forward when you're a little uncomfortable. That doesn't mean pressure. You shouldn't feel pressure. It shouldn't be a salesy kind of a thing like somebody's trying to shove a timeshare down your throat. But it should be where the financial advisor is really coaching you to do something that might naturally be, oh, I don't know, a little strange for you, maybe a little unknown. But we want you to actually implement the plan. And by the way, if the relationship has been set up properly in the beginning where that financial advisor has um, has explained to you that they're going to be a financial coach. They're going to lay out the plan for you, but they're also going to help you not only start it, but stick through it. This should not be awkward at all. In fact, you should be thanking them because with a good fit, they're going to be, again, like a great coach. You know, it might be a little uncomfortable in the beginning, but the rewards are huge when you're doing the right thing. Final step is monitoring those recommendations, being sure that the investments are doing what they should be doing after they've been implemented. You can't just leave it on autopilot for the next decade. No, you sure can't. Any plan needs to be adjusted. And this is where it's sort of different than building a house. I, I used the, the example of building a house earlier, which is, you know, once that house is built, it's pretty hard to move the foundation or adjust the walls. Um, well, in financial planning, we know that things change in life. Uh, you might have a, a change in your family. Maybe, unfortunately, somebody you love dies or somebody you love needs a lot of help or uh, maybe there's a premature death in your marriage if you're married. Uh, they, there needs to be an adjustment and the only way the financial advisor is going to know to do that is if they're monitoring their recommendations, making sure they're seeing you on a regular basis. We want to see our clients at least once a year for a very in-depth meeting. Some clients say, I want to do that over the phone. That's fine, but we really prefer it to be face-to-face because we really need to be able to determine whether there are any adjustments we need to make. So those are the six steps to financial planning. Step number one, establishing the way the relationship is going to look. Step number two is gathering client data and listening to your goals. Step three is analyzing and evaluating your current financial status based on the information you've given us uh, in the client data and the goals. And then, of course, developing presenting the recommendations, uh, the different alternatives. That's step number four. Step five is implementing those recommendations, actually putting those recommendations in place. You'll notice that that comes much later, folks, because the foundation of the relationship has to be there before we just spew off recommendations like some of the people, unfortunately, in our business. We want to make sure we know you really well before we do that. And then last but not least, monitoring those recommendations on an ongoing basis to make sure you stay on track and we adjust for any changes that might come up in your life. So these are the steps we incorporate in your plan. You know, my kids are going off to school or they're finished school and I'm always talking to them about planning and monitoring and so on. And so I just thought it'd be fun to do a show where we went through the actual six steps according to the Financial Planning Board of Standards. We want to take you through these steps. Uh, If you like listening to this program, you think there'd be benefit. I believe there'd be benefit for you coming in and visiting with us. We want to give you that Money Map Retirement Review. Uh, I will say two things. One is, wouldn't you like to know if you're veering off course 
in your retirement sooner rather than later. We'll help you figure that out. We'll do a stress test on your portfolio, give you that second opinion, and we'll be straight with you. Um, we don't couch things. We don't try to hide things. We don't try to go into some kind of a you know, sales mode that some people do. Uh, we'll be real straight with you because, quite frankly, that's how I like to be dealt with. So give us a buzz. Get your Money Map Retirement Plan. It's an extensive plan, but it's really different than what you've seen before. Call now, one 800 705 one, two, three, two. If you have $250,000 saved for retirement, the consequences are too high, folks, right now with where the market is for you to make a mistake. You don't want to go backwards in retirement. We want to help you make sure you're on solid ground. So call 1-800-705-1232. We'll set up a time for you to come into our office and visit with us and get your Money Map Retirement Plan. Again, that number, 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. Call or text, whichever's easiest for you. If you text, just be sure to include your first and last name. That'll get the process started to get your Money Map Retirement Review set up. 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. That's all we have time for this week, but thanks for tuning in. We'll talk with you next week, same time, same place, on Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products and services are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents in all appropriate jurisdictions.